0: This episode of Shaking Spears was sponsored in part by the UJ Student Marketing Department. The University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined. Moving on... um, Guys, and this is a difficult one because uh, it's a two-fold question and uh, I think that we'll actually... um, Yeah, it's it's going to be a little bit of a round-robin to start because I wanted to ask you how you capture the essence of Iago. But of course, in order to answer that question, I think we first need to nail down, certainly for um, the three other people in this podcast, what the essence of Iago is because... um, uh, every actor and every audience member is going to approach or view a role differently view a character differently and certainly even um Claire or myself as co-stars in the production might view the essence of Iago differently Claire as a director might view that essence differently from her role as an actress uh, so yes uh, part 1 of 2 what is the essence of Iago for you Claire
1: Oh, I wish I hadn't put that down as a question. It's, um, you asked the it's, question. Uh, <laughs> I just asked it.
2: <laughs> I mean, you uh, wrote
1: it. I asked them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a toughie, although it could also be incredibly simple. I think uh, what we need to keep in mind when we're dealing with the character of Iago, we talk about the essence of Iago. You need to talk about what motivates him um, <clears throat> to, to do what he does. And, um, and that's where we can come very unstuck. Because I don't believe that anything really motivates Iago. In terms of, I mean, I don't believe for a second that he really wants to be the Moor's lieutenant. I don't think that any of the things he pursues are that vital to him. It could, it could be anything. It's simply a case of his ability to manipulate, to, to. to use human beings in the way that he sees fit. So it could be because he wants a bag of Smarties. It's it, it's just, for me, that's, that's what makes him so slippery. Um, and, you know, it's not a clear-cut case of, I am jealous, I want this thing, I want this position, or I want this woman, or I want this... It, it, He's, it's so clear in the text when he says things like
0: because he believes Othello and then later Cassio have slept with his wife or whatever. Yeah. You feel that all of that is just a thin veneer of justification on nothing. top of his actions.
1: Yeah, he says. He even says it. He says, um, I've, "I know not if it be true," when he's speaking about um, Emilia and, and Othello. Hmm. Um, but but, but I will act as though. In that kind. I will act as though it is. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's. The, I am not. I I'm not really talking about the essence of uh, a yeah, sorry, but I just feel like we need to be able to understand why he does what he does. And it's very difficult when the answer to why he does what he does is because he can. There's no other real reason, to my mind, but I'd like to hear what the others have yeah. to say.
0: Dwayne, your thoughts?
3: Uh, I completely agree with that. Something he doesn't really, I don't see him as having major motivations for doing anything that he does. It's just because he can. So, I don't know, the essence is that he is sort of manipulative and with that comes mostly, like, the importance of his relationships with other people, his interactions with, you know, as Ian was saying earlier, with the characters on stage, other characters on stage, like, how he can best get from them what he wants, like, he usually only talks to them about stuff that they particularly find interesting and he will give them advice, which seemingly is good advice, Going on the knowledge that they have, not on the knowledge that you, as an audience or yeah. as a younger, would and have. And advice that he, um,
0: we know and we see, he is going to twist to his own favour. Yes, you know that, that idea. Uh, thinking personally of Cassio, go and ask Desdemona to help you get your left tenancy back after Cassio loses it in the drunken brawl. And then he twists that round to say to Othello, was that not Cassio parted from your wife and starting to seed that idea um, that Cassio and Desdemona, well, that Desdemona is being unfaithful with Cassio, yeah.
3: Yeah, so basically just needs to seem genuine and truthful to every individual he talks to on stage, including the audience. Um, and you got to know that even though you are trying to appear genuine and truthful, you're not. Right, and That's the wearing three that, yes. or
0: four different layers of masks as you play a role. Ian, your thoughts?
2: Uh, I have to, I don't agree entirely. And then I think at the time that I was playing him, I might've been more in line with that position. When I think looking back, I find that, I mean, if we just talk about the story, and as a tragedy, and the tragedy central flaw that it deals with, although this one had, it has to do with jealousy, that I find in the text he is the initial, he is the introduction of jealousy in the story. Um, and I find he, that he is ultimately the most destructive of the jealous forms because he's the one that takes down everyone else with him as opposed to the characters that take themselves down and then other people get drawn into the slipstream. He sets out to use his jealousy. And I, w- I always used to think Iago was, uh, maybe it was because I was playing him, <laughs> I wanted him to be more intelligent than at some levels I think that he is. I, I like, So I'm just putting this out there, and this is just another Go for it. reading yeah, that's great. of the character that says, here's an old man, because by and large, the ancients was an old character he was supposed to be old any lord or any soldiers or generals ancient was an older man and and he bore the standard and it was just expected one of the other questions and talking points that we had was um why is it that people find yoga so trustworthy and i think it was because that was his role in society as the ancient you were trustworthy you were the batman you were the standard bearer you carried the flag you did what was you didn't have any aspirations beyond that because any any greatness that happened to your commander, your general, or your lord was immediately conferred on you for the fact that you were their ancient. So his glory was your glory, his failings were your failings. You were basically ultimately a lapdog, and you were you know you didn't have any aspirations for promotion like Cassio may have or you know. And so I think Shakespeare creates this very interesting real human character because he takes the class of subservient servant ancients and he draws out the humanist and says, but doesn't this person have feelings too? And if this person does have feelings, he's going to be ultimately quite jealous because he realizes he's got no future prospects. Everyone else is rising up about him. And then he adds the sort of the snub of, that Othello may have slept with his wife. And so he becomes like the essential, the the initial jealous character. And all he knows is his jealousy to the point that that's all. Like, I also used to think that his plan was quite smart and I don't think it is. He knows jealousy. This is something
0: I've brought up in previous podcasts as well. I don't think his plan
2: is that good, but we'll get into that later. He like, he, 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 he knows jealousy or he is so overwhelmed by jealousy that he just goes to all of the other characters and he finds the jealousy in them and he just drives it. So it's Rodrigo's jealousy becomes the tool. It's um, Othello's jealousy. It's um, the, what's the whore's name? Bianca. Bianca. It's Bianca's jealousy. You know, it's, um, you know, it, it, you could talk about even Cassio's weird, warped sense of loyalty and his, like, I've lost all my reputation is a type of jealousy because he now knows that he has lost the race. Other people are now going to be ahead of him. And, and, uh, and, I, and I, I ended up, re- when we were thinking about the podcast and having looked so far back and, and, and also getting to watch Dwayne play, it, which was rad because I got to watch it happen And I remembered my choices and I watched some of the similar choices we made and got to see it and whatever. So I thought a lot about Iago, And uh, I do. Unfortunately, I've lost a lot of sort of like the idea that he is. I just don't think you have to be that smart to be that dangerous. I'm not saying that you can't be, but I often look like just looking in the broader context of the world and corruption in general. You don't actually have to be that intelligent to be corrupt you know you have to be driven just look at donald trump the mechanisms in front of you you have to have the motivation and the mechanisms in front of you and then ultimately you can just set things in motion and the corruption starts to overtake you know yeah. it's not to say that there aren't super intelligent but we talked about the mustache twirling you know super villain and and this is what and i used to think of Iago as a type of shakespearean super villain but i don't think of him like that anymore i think of him as this snubbed flawed old man who is bitter and all he has in in the center of him is this jealousy and this burning this green fire that he has and then he just goes i'm going to just unleash this and there is where i do agree with claire as well and the, the, the idea that he just goes i'm going to find a way to make this work and every time i get a chance to use this i'm going to use it and i'm not going to question and when i find a moment to be able to ensnare i'm going to ensnare and then i'm going to see what happens next and there's almost a kind of like grotesque, just like scattershot nature to what he does, despite the fact that the plot links it all together quite clearly. You know, I just I used to think so. <laughs> I used to think so highly of Iago when I was playing him, <laughs> and now that I'm not playing him, I look back and I just go, ah, he's actually he's gross on so many levels. So, so I do. I know where I know where you guys are coming from. I do understand that, but I'm um, with the. In hindsight, I found him, and it had to do with teaching it as well, because I ended up going on after playing him to at a high school level to actually teach Othello. And um, I had to, deep, uh, d- to dive into the whole nature of the tragic flaw of jealousy a lot more. And I realized, you know, quite early on that he puts it out there. And when he puts it to Rodrigo in the beginning that he says, Othello has seen my worth. He knows my worth. He's seen me prove myself again and again and again, and still, he jumped over me and went to Cassio. Now, I don't think like he owes Rodrigo any explanation, so he's almost talking to himself in the yeah. beginning and ranting quite a lot. Rodrigo's not a character who he pays enough mind to give him a clear sort of like indication. He's just venting. And there it is, right there, that he says, I have been snubbed and I am going to do something. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do something about it. And then the next thing that happens is he gets, he gets presented with an opportunity when his first plan fails. You know, because it's also like, think about it. It's guys, it's like really rudimentary in the beginning. His whole initial gambit is just to get Othello kind of like shamed because he's hopefully he, arrested. He a because, it's, yeah. really, it's really crass. You know, it's not even that intelligent. It's literally just playing the most base card. You know, let's yeah. play on the races of the of the Venetians and get them to like you know you know ostracize this man. It's quite loose. And it's only after that fails that he thinks he's he realizes he's gonna have to try a whole lot harder because of how much Othello is valued by the Venetians and he doesn't know what to do and then you know, he has a look at Rodrigo, and he's like, oh, let me try this out. This could work, you know, or oh, whatever. Yeah, anyway. Yeah,
1: he definitely um, – we've said this before as well, and when I've done Q&As, live Q&As, um, he he doesn't have any real plan. He, he flies by the seat of his pants. Um, whatever happens right in front of him, he then – turns and acts on um so it uh, but in itself there is a cleverness there that he is able to do that he's, he's an opportunist to an opportunity. opportunist exactly mm-hmm. and what ian is saying about jealousy too that drives him um i think that's a really valid point and it's something that i sometimes overlook as well it's a it's a case of wanting anything that other people have that you don't have mm-hmm. um, and it, it may stem from uh, and the, the, this green, I love the image of green fire that Ian was speaking of. It may stem from uh, an inferiority complex. I mean, a lot of people feel, feel that he is arrogant, that he's smug, that he's, but it could be exactly the opposite of that, which is why he has this anger and this, this, this envy of everybody else, because he himself is not secure in, in who he is. And, and yeah, just now,
0: Claire, in terms of you speaking about that and in terms of the inferiority, etc., when Ian was speaking um, uh, about how he sees Iago now and um, seeing him uh, far more realistically and human and it was the word feelings that Ian used. And that made me... That, that drew my brain towards another one of Shakespeare's villains, uh, Shylock, and particularly his Hath Not a Jew Eyes speech. And for me, then, the correlation between these two men and between these characters and what may drive them in the end is some sense of either, for, for whatever reason, reclaiming power because they end up as powerless within the societies that govern them as you said in uh, the batman the aide de camp etc yeah. etc et with no we say yeah. batman here in the ter- in the words of <laughs> assistance not in terms of a comic book yeah. character you know this is someone with no prospects who's not going anywhere and whose life is almost set similarly yeah. shylock being a jew within that particular society that didn't really uh, allow uh, jews much um, freedom and many rights a- and it's kind of, what if I just seized whatever power I could have? And if I can exert power over these characters by manipulating them into jealousy and making them suffer uh, and exerting my version of reality over what reality actually is for them.
2: Um, That's a, it's interesting because it's, just, it's interesting that you bring up Shylock because also in terms of this conversation and having two different people play Iago but both Dwayne and I are coming from, obviously, you know, this day and age, because Shylock, as a villain, in Shakespeare's time, no one would have had any sympathy for him, such was the anti-Semitism of the time. Yeah, He was not painted to be anything. So even his most famous speech... Let's just remember know, that Shylock was, is only he, asking to be paid he, back the money that he, he loaned. In <laughs> that speech, he would have been seen as being conniving in that speech. So he's saying it like this is my revenge is coming because actually I feel just like you do. So I'm going to be vengeful just like you are. And it was quite an, almost like an evilness to what he did at that point, you know, sorry, here comes my agent. And <laughs> the thing is we read Shylock completely differently now because we in a modern we, context, absolutely. Different age. And it's the same with the that both of us, all of us director, other characters, other people in the scenes and whatever, We read Iago with our modern eyes, and we read much more into him. So so the difficulty is, can you go back to when Shakespeare first envisioned this character? What was he doing? And that's when I arrived at the more blunt sort of average human Iago that is just this sort of snubbed old man that is not happy with his lot in life and is determined to just lay waste to anybody around him, including, I mean, look at the way that he treats Emilia. Because that's a quite a real relationship, you know. Even now we could say it definitely, but back in the day it would have been the same. The disrespect that he has for his own wife is something quite legit in that day and age. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: No, And we've spoken about that uh, considerably across various podcasts, particularly with uh, Cara in terms of um, the roles that she has to play and what is expected of Desdemona within her society and what is expected of Ophelia within her society uh, in our podcasts about Hamlet. And so, yeah, that's certainly a consideration. Dwayne. This is not grade ten. You cannot sit at the back of the class and be quiet uh, and (laughs) just waiting patiently. (laughs) Yes, Uh, um, but yes, uh, your thoughts on the matter now, please. (laughs) Um,
3: Well, I think uh, in lots of ways I agree and disagree. I I do think he's clever. I think he's clever in the way that he sort of adapts uh, to the given situation because I don't think there's an overarching evil plan. Like, I go back to, I do sort of believe he's just doing it because he can Like, maybe he does feel a little, I don't know, affronted by the fact that he's not getting anywhere in life or anything, but it's it's not like a driving force for him. I think it's just, it's available. He sees an opportunity, and every time he sees an opportunity, he takes it. So he takes in the beginning by maybe trying to get Othello arrested or something like that. Then he takes it in another opportunity. He'd be like, okay, well, now we're going here. Let me bring my money with me. Come along, right? Let's go. <laughs> like, um, you know. So I think he just adapts to every situation he's in. He's also not that old. I mean, for the time, probably. He's
0: for the time, 28, definitely. I think. Uh, no, 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 I, I, I thought tells, I had him because... He tells Rodrigo
3: that he's been in the world for four times, seven years, or something like that. Yeah. So it's not in our version, but it is... <laughs> <he's> <laughs> like <Yeah>.
0: That's right. <laughs> Um, I
1: think I think we are meant to believe, and I hope that I'm not speaking out of turn. Um, but Othello should actually be the older of the two, because um, Iago uses that against him—his his great age. So, um, yeah. But I mean, it's not important. We, age is a very different thing then. Yeah, um, I mean, if Othello's in his thirties,
0: he's basically a death star. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their machine used under license ccby-sa 4.0 for further information or bookings contact doreen at thinktheatre.co.za the university of johannesburg the future reimagined